Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Araqi Voices. This is your host, Hassan Haddad. Araqi Voices is a podcast that showcases Araqi perspectives and insights about current developments in our country. Araqi Voices is produced by 1001 Araqi Thoughts. On January 9th, the new members of the Araqi Parliament were sworn into office and began a four-year journey as representatives of the Araqi people. Today, we speak with former Member of Parliament Sarkaut Shamsuddin about his personal experience as a member of Araq's Parliament from 2018 to 2021. Sarkaut authored a piece for 1001 Araqi Thoughts titled Swimming with Sharks, an insider's account of politics in Araq's parliament, where he narrates an early attempt in his parliamentary career to garner support to challenge the status quo. In this episode, we'll be talking to Sarkaut about the inner workings of parliament and whether it's really possible to affect change. Welcome, Kaka Sarkaut. Thank you. Thank you for having me. There's so much to discuss about your first-hand account of life as an Araqi member of parliament. But first off, what was the thing that you were most unprepared for or did not expect when you began your term in parliament? Uh, well, I think, um, you know, as a somebody like in that age to enter the parliament, uh, uh, especially the national parliament, uh, is uh, you need a lot of uh, experience. So maybe the, uh, the lack of experience in the political parties, like uh, that was my first time, you know, I, six months before I entered the parliament, I, for the first time in my life, I joined a political party. So I didn't have really the enough experience uh, of, uh, you know, playing your cards uh, wisely in the parliament, how to deal with the uh, with others, I knew them because of my background as a journalist. But I didn't, I never, you know, dealt with them, uh, with the the politicians, uh, Kurds, Arabs, Sunnis, Shias, all of them. So um, it was maybe the experience was one of the things that I lacked. Also, the uh, uh, lack of experience of drafting, you know, policies, how policies are drafted and how it's going to work. Uh, that was one of also two things that I think I, if I had it before, maybe would help me better in uh, preparing uh, myself for maybe negotiations or also for, you know, uh, early mission. Uh, for example, joining which committee is going to be uh, better, how to negotiate your, you know, your terms uh, with others in, uh, in order to get to the, the ranking position in the, in the committees. So, so other, other things also. So I think the experience. I would say the experience uh, is the most, like lack of experience in politics, uh, and also uh, the, the the lack of experience of like the policy drafting things. Thank you. Now you said you've dealt with some of these uh, members of parliament before um, during your time as a journalist. Was it any different dealing with those same people, but as colleagues inside the parliament? Yeah, I think I was uh, uh, surprised by uh, the hypocrisy of many of them, and also by the how really fake many of them. Uh, and uh, I was really surprised by, you know, just you, you know, you have seen the, the movie, you know, scenes like that in the movies, uh, many movies about the politics and politicians. But I was like expecting this is maybe just made it. A, to be, uh, you know, to be, to make it more interesting in a movie, but I, you know, to experience it in, you know, face to face and on daily basis. And I think it was, uh, 
uh, it was uh, you know too shocking to uh, you know uh, to see that i heard some of these things i i saw but i you know couldn't believe it fully uh, that was really completely true or accurate but when i found out about like no some of them that i i, I, I knew before some of them I, that i met them when i entered the parliament uh, but i knew about them so i think uh, it was uh, uh, it was you know kind of a shock for me that uh, these people can be so different uh, from what they appear in media and how they appear as uh, when you approach them as a journalist how they really are i mean the uh, because you do not really have access to uh, everything in the parliament it's not like the us congress you can you know attend some of the sessions as uh, journalists or even individuals to see how they doing uh, you have you know limited access to them now if i can go back to your previous point about the committees and uh, what committee to uh, to sit on and and serve on um, recently one of the new independent mps uh, spoke about the horse trading that happens in parliamentary committees and how you need a lot of leverage to get into the important committees like finance and foreign affairs. Can you talk to us about the dynamics within the parliamentary committees, why they are so sought after? Uh, well, I mean, the, the entire scene of the, of the parliament when it comes to uh, you know, div- forming the government, uh, dividing the, the positions, government position, parliamentary positions. It's like an auction. I mean, I, if you have been to auctions, uh, so, you know, you see the people are given prices. I mean, if you, you know, pay, for example, you go to a car auction in, in the U.S., for example, you know, it's, it depends on who much has a big, you know, uh, deeper pocket. They can get, you know, more. They can offer more. So, uh, it's just the same. If you, it, it was, it was really an auction when it comes to dividing the positions, uh, the Iraqi parliament. But it was even, to some extent, was very uh, nasty. Uh, for example, uh, you know, comp- the, all of the positions in the parliament are divided ac- according to ethnic and sectarian lines. It's muhasasa, it's in, in, in fact, but it's not all the components, all MPs are getting their share. Big sharks uh, from uh, each component, they are taking, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the uh, senior positions. And they are also fighting on the most important committees like finance, integrity, while they are the most corrupt people. But they want to control those committees in order not to have the opposition people to opposition MPs to control those those positions. So uh, first of all, you know there there are in each committee and the committee leaderships are divided according to the ethnic lines. For the Kurds, they have seventeen or twenty percent. The Sunnis, they have twenty five. The Shia, they have like fifty to fifty six. Uh, to, to 60, 50 to 60, so a percent of the, of the, of the leadership positions. And then the membership, you know, in each committee, they have to have the balance of each component in the important committees. And there is a lot of, there are a lot of committees, uh, like civil society organization. You really struggle to have a quorum because nobody goes there. There are like uh, human rights committee. You know, nobody goes there. Uh, even if they go, they sign their name. They never attend this, the the meetings uh, because you know these these positions are linked to the government positions. 
it's not just like you just work on this. No, it's, uh, you know, who is going to participate in the government? Uh, and then which ministry do you will get? And then which uh, the committee uh, will reflect that the same, you know, kind of a same way. Uh, so it's one package. So I remember an, 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 a female MP from the Western provinces. She came to me. She said, oh, you, you are the new generations. You are the good guys. You don't sell your, your seats. And I was like shocked. And then I realized that the good guys meaning in, in the, it's a metaphor in the Iraqi parliament means stupid guys <laughs> with my high respect. It means like the guys that are not really doing trades, dirty games. And I said, what do you mean not selling seats? I mean, you know, is it just a, I thought maybe it's an Arabic word for a different thing, but she literally meant selling your seats in exchange for money. And or to get a position uh, in the government, and we decided that that, that we don't want to do participate in this game as new generation block. Back then, I was with new generation, uh, uh, so uh, that was kind of a very surprising uh, to me, and it was too much. And then I asked it the, my some of my colleagues that I could trust. I said she said something like that. Is it like? Is it true? It's just, you know, just, just, you know, just the word. And they said, no, it's true. I mean, some blocks, for example, if you join the biggest block, they will give you a, a commission of uh, this amount of money. If you uh, join the other block, they will give you this amount of money. If you sign on that, so like, you know, even for the committees are like the same. I was like, okay, this is, this is way worse <laughs> than I expected. That's that's fascinating. And the insights you draw, I mean, as you were speaking, I was I was picturing a market and basically everything is for sale, um, including the committees and who sits on it and what goes through and what doesn't. Is that an af- accurate reflection of, of what goes on in parliament that the average person doesn't see? Yeah, that's, that's, that, that's the 80% of the positions are filled like that. The other 20% are for some strong MPs. They have experience. They're big blocks. They don't want to disturb them. Uh, so they, they, also they need them in the committee. They do the actual work. Uh, from, uh, people from the, for example, I was really admired the level of experience. I'm not talking about the integrity of the Fazile MPs, for example. They were really good MPs in terms of their doing their jobs. They didn't know, you know, they were experts in their, like, for example, oil committee, finance, legal committees. For example, we had also among the opposition MPs, Ahmed Al-Hajj was really our, uh, uh, our Adam Smith, for example, for finance committee. Uh, the Halbusi could not really prevent him uh, KDP tried to prevent him going to the finance committee, but uh, they tried to, they blocked him actually from the getting to the leadership of the committee. Uh, but uh, they were not, uh, you know, able because we all supported him to go to the finance committee. Uh, you know, you have also the foreign affairs committee because of the, a lot of travels. So people, they want to travel. They don't want to, they don't have a clue about the foreign policy. They just go there to, to, in order to get, you know, uh, the, the bonuses for traveling, you know, uh, expensive travels paid by the parliament. Um, but it is actually, it's a, it's a true picture. It's a, it's a market. It's everything for sale. Uh, just, you know, you just, uh, need to be strong, you need to have experience and also uh, need to know, uh, you know, uh, your values if you are going to compromise them.
And in addition to the values, what about your identity as uh, as a member of parliament, uh, as an Iraqi? Uh, you came in representing um, the the wonderful province of Sulaymaniyah. However, you know, when whenever I saw your your speeches, your tweets, your uh, you know any anything that was public, it was always talking about the greater good of Iraq. So how how does identity play into that? In addition to the principles and integrity, what well, we have we had I was really uh, struggling to <laughs> deliver the message to my colleagues, but it was easier uh, to deliver to the regular people. I think it has. It had an impact on people, maybe from Basra to to Baghdad, uh, uh, because I was, you know, writing in 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 Arabic and I was talking about the national matters. Uh, uh, that was an important. But my colleagues in the parliament, we were, at the, especially at the beginning, they really they were. Some of them they were like kind of a surprised. Is it, is he crazy talking about Iraq? Does this really has any meaning? Not just the Kurdish MPs, like the Kurdish colleagues, or even the people from the south and also the western provinces, they thought I'm, you know, I'm, I'm crazy. They still, some of them, they th still think they I am a cra I'm crazy person talking about Iraq, uh, you know, kind of a uh, uh, talking in a unity way. Uh, they say the it's a it's a it's a system. It's a way forward. That's that's your that's your you know your your world. You have to play in that. Uh, playing on the national uh, platform is not going to work. So this this is not going to uh, help you in the future. Uh, so I you know that the identity is uh, really very hard. I you know there are some really good MPs. I would say out of three hundred twenty nine. Of course, like around like 50 of them, 50 to 60 to 70 of them, they never attended the sessions or rarely attended the sessions. But those who attended the session, like 200 to 210 uh, MPs, uh, usually they were there. Uh, you would find like around 30 MPs. They are they were really serious and they were really good, but they were not really educated about whole Iraqi communities. So they were not really uh, promoting an, a national identity. Uh, the, you know, the, 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 my Arab colleagues, they really they didn't know anything about the Kurdistan, at least on daily basis. They just only heard about the political parties in Kurdistan, but not the people struggling. That was one of the, my messages to deliver to them. And I, I think to some extent we were successful in doing that, educating them about the situation in Kurdistan and how people are struggling, like their people in Basra, in, in Najaf, in other provinces, uh, because they had a wrong image of uh, Kurdistan uh, uh, financially and also so uh, socially, and they, we were able to reconcile some of that, but it was not enough. We needed more time, I think, uh, to uh, kind of uh, promote that, even, you know, bring in, because at the end, I think we were able, successful to bring in so many MPs, dozens of MPs from the southern provinces to help us in promoting the, uh, uh, for example, freedom of speech in Kurdistan, in financial, to ease the financial pressure on the people of Kurdistan. So that was, you know, kind of a areas I actually I worked on. 
That's excellent. Now, twice you've brought up uh, the issue of Mahasasa. Uh, Iraqi politics is typically characterized as a highly sectarian affair that's based on Mahasasa. But in your piece for 1001 Iraqi Thoughts, you illustrate how the elite pact functions in reality with Shia and Sunni politicians lobbying in support of the KDP's candidate for the second deputy speaker of parliament. What does this say about the nature of the elite pact and identity politics in parliament more broadly? Well, I think uh, if if you are in the parliament, you will understand that these guys are really using their sect uh, population size to gain more. It's it's just a number for them. Uh, it's it's uh, you know the, the for example the KDP and the PUK they use even not just the number the Kurdish the suffering of the Kurdish people under the previous regimes they even use that uh, for to uh, f- force uh, others to accept some of their demands. Uh, so uh, c- c- it is uh, just a cover, just as a population number. I think uh, when you have people from you know the different blocks, Fatah, uh, they actually. Actually, I never seen like on daily basis that they do something. I mean, basically, I, I don't believe there is a threat to uh, uh, currently to any sect in Iraq or any ethnic group. There is a uh, except for the Yazidis during ISIS, but it is not a. There is not a. Uh, you know, uh, conspiracy against the Kurds, against the Shia or the Sunnis. There might be a conspiracy against a certain political party or a certain ethnic group, but that's, they use it, they use this as a, as a, an attack on their uh, background, but that actually, these are just numbers for them. For the, uh, a Shia politician, for example, they come, they say we are 60%. That means they need 60% of everything. Uh, the positions, the money, the everything, and uh, the the ifadat, like the the foreign visits, sixty uh, percent of the delegation of everything, and the, for the Kurds are the you know it's it's the same, but they really work very closely together to uh, block, for example, people like me and my colleagues from the Hope Alliance, which we later formed that alliance uh, for Kurdish oppositions, uh, to go to the important like integrity committee to be able to hold them accountable to do uh, able to do a follow of investigation on the corruption in Kurdistan in the oil sector, for example. They work together. I have seen it that that, that from the provinces like western provinces, uh, the MPs from there, very working very closely with KDP on like many issues. Uh, people from Fatah, Al uh, Amri, and others, and Maliki, very close to Barzani, and and I had the meeting with them. They were really not happy that I was criticizing that tough. Like I was had a like a kind of a a tough uh, rhetoric on Barzani, so they were not. They, you see them in media; they against each other, but they are really a strong ally, and they protect each other. That's fascinating. Given what you just said about the the kind of work that you did and 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 some of the things that you uh, tried to enforce, how successful do you think you were in establishing a culture of opposition inside parliament? And what challenges will new parties face in this regard in the new parliament? So I think one of the successes was the forming the. Uh, I worked very hard to unite the Kurdish opposition groups. They were personally they had issues with each other. We're not, not talking to each other. They had some personal issues because you know somebody uh, said something during the campaign against somebody else. You know the minor things. I I worked very hard with 
uh, my colleagues uh, was few of them that were ready to do that and one of the successes was for the first time united the opposition groups in Baghdad but the the, the concept of opposition was completely different for Kurdish MPs from the the rest of the country for our uh, friends in the south the opposition uh, really didn't really ha- resonated with them and i think not a lot of people were a big fan of that because they were, didn't make sense for them. They, what do you mean opposition? You mean like you don't want any position in the government? How are you going to convince your people? How are you going to help your people? They thought the only way to help your people is just to have a position and give them maybe money, employment, stuff like that. The western provinces, they were like in a disarray. Uh, my, my, my colleagues in the western provinces, they we really didn't see them any, if they are into any policies. Uh, they were like, you know, very, they had temporary goals, uh, 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 and they were like really divided, fractured. There was one man who had a vision. I would love to talk about him, the, the speaker. And then in terms of the, for example, a couple times, three times, with the help of the international organizations, I was able to block the, the bill, uh, the, uh, cybercrime bill. It was really meant to, uh, eliminate the spe- freedom of speech under the name of the, uh, the, you know, kind of a religious and also sectarian uh, rhetorics, uh, but it, we were able to block that, and we were able to bring the attention of the, uh, the, the, the of the MPs from the south about the suffering of the people from Kurdistan, educate them more about the how people are feeling about Baghdad, why they, uh, you know, they have this kind of uh, understanding of Baghdad because Baghdad, you know. Uh, kind of ignored them, gave KRG and the KDPP UK the full authority to do whatever they want with the with the Kurdish people, while they are Iraqi citizens. So, and also we were able to, uh, terms of in terms of like you know help uh, you know uh, our people by easing the financial pressure, by convincing some of the MPs from the south, especially that you know you need to punish the rulers in Erbil, not the people. Uh, if you want to punish them. So, uh, I think, you know, for example, I was one of the uh, strong voices of against the uh, bringing the religious scholars to the Supreme Court. And uh, that was one of the another thing that I was part of. That was not the only one, but part of the uh, the, the people that we, we were rejecting the religious scholars to be, uh, to be members of the Supreme Court, uh, because I'm really, uh, I'm for a secular court and a secular government. You brought up an interesting point with regards to the uh, cyber crimes bill. It must be very frustrating seeing senior members of the international community, including ambassadors and international officials, cozying up to corrupt and powerful politicians while paying little attention to members of parliament that are working hard to change things. What advice would you give to foreign missions about the best way to engage with parliament? Uh, I think that Europeans uh, somehow did better than others. Americans were maybe the, the the most to blame for dealing with corrupt individuals, for appeasing them, for like keep, keeping silent on their corruption, and for really giving all of the you know the the leverage they had to to those uh, in in the, at the top. Uh, but the Europeans did somehow better in dealing with uh, people like myself. But also they had a problem of. 
you know how can to how to communicate with them language wise and also uh, some of the my colleagues in the parliament they didn't have the education of how to deal with the foreign uh, missions you know what are the things that it called intervention that you do not invite them to intervene but what how do you inform them what are the things that you want them you need to understand the policy that the foreign uh, the foreign policy and also you know the Iraqi constitution what you can discuss with them what you are you cannot but I advise them to engage with the young MPs though the educated MPs uh, more and more and also give them uh, more attention I think uh, uh, if they do not reach out to them they should you know have a plan to invite them and also to talk to them you know, on, on you know important matters issues uh, I know because there are a lot of uh, things as, as a single MP, maybe you can influence if it's not affecting a, a, a specific ethnic or a secta, a sect. So, uh, for example, the cyber crime bill, you know, it's not a sectarian thing. It's just religious uh, groups. They wanted to, to bring this or those who believe in dictatorship uh, would believe it to bring this bill and to silence the critics uh, on social media. In your piece, Kaksar Kautz, you talk about Mohammed Halbusi's election as a speaker in 2018 and how he was largely an unknown quantity who had a reputation for being a serial gambler. Halbusi is now the most powerful Sunni figure in Iraq, having secured a second term. Based on your experience of the last parliament, how do you think he will run this new parliamentary term, especially given the strength of the Sadris this time around? Uh, well, Halbusi is, uh, like I mentioned my piece, I, many people kind of uh, underestimated him. and uh, But then the moment he, he won, and then uh, after a few months, I realized this guy is something, and you need to pay attention to him. Uh, you know, there are a lot of things that I would say uh, he, he was successful. He was successful in maneuvering some of the sessions and easing the tensions, uh, especially the sectarian tensions. He was successful in not to uh, uh, pass any bill that will have sectarian language, especially the Sunni Shia thing. I mean, I would applaud him for not being sectarian, especially in the, when it came to bills. Uh, and also to um, somehow ease the tensions uh, among the MPs when there were like so many tensions uh, and maneuvering uh, and uh, preventing parliament uh, to, to be dragged into some of the bloody conflicts. Uh, the, you know, he was somehow successful in doing that, but he was not a... He was not the, I think he, what the, one of the problems, he, he was not a policy person. So he was just more in deals. He was just like in Arabic, we call safaqat. So he was seeing the sessions as, as part of his deals, not as necessary thing to pass necessary bills. So if, if there was something into, you know, to, to him or to somebody else, he would like, you know, try to gain something from every session. Uh, and he, uh, actually, uh, ha you know, had the reputation of silencing those who he could, uh, the, the critical voices. And he was, you know, kind of admired Barzani's, uh, one man's rule. And he was mentioned something that he would uh, duplicate something like that in Anbar. And that was kind of a sum of his idea. But I think uh, coming back as a, the only Sunni figure after 2005 to be elected to the same position, senior position twice, I think it will give him a strength. And I think he will uh, may show some of his true face 
especially his handling of uh, relation with the foreign countries. I think that's something you need to pay attention and also promoting uh, some uh, kind of a foreign agenda that well would something I would I would say you, I would pay attention to that uh, but he is actually more into uh, of, uh, you know deals he's you know you know he wants to gain things and in and in having Sadrist powerful and also he is also powerful uh, he united his people and uh, c- coming together to balance counterbalance the others I think he will uh, have um, you know, he will be more 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 stronger and I think he will be he will be more powerful than than before, uh, but he will I think I would expect some s- more scandals uh, coming out of the of the parliament as because he's a he's um, you know he's trying to get everything very quickly, very fast and he is rushing, and that will make him you know to maybe to expose some of the, his mistakes. That's very interesting. Now, in your piece, you emphasized. Uh, the importance of engaging in politics and the possibility of maintaining integrity and upholding your values despite being surrounded by corrupt politicians. Can you give us an example of where you felt that you had contributed to positive change and really made a difference? Uh, I think in many cases, you know, there are so many applications, people they don't know about that, so many applications uh, sitting in the ministry, uh, ministries of people's applications. Uh, as an individual MP, you can go to the ministry, to the minister himself or herself or their office uh, and force them to move things if there's no legal issues. For example, somebody really called the students, the high education, I think they were hired, but the money was not spent on them. I was one of the people that pushed for uh, the money to be spent by the Ministry of uh, Finance. Uh, for example, the, somebody called me from uh, uh, from Nasiriyah and there was a lady she called, uh, f- uh, she needed my help uh, from Basra, she needed uh, to apply for leave. Just simple like that, simple like something like that to, uh, uh, you know, uh, employment leave uh, for five years. I think she had an education in 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 UK, and she faced so many problems. And then they were asking so many bribes and stuff like that. So you can jump in and individual on the individual level, you can help, you know, individual Iraqis. So we had so many Kurdish, for example. Uh, citizen Iraqi citizens coming to Baghdad, they had language problems. They were also paranoid about Baghdad stereotypes, that security issues. So they were sometimes uh, trapped uh, by some people in Baghdad for, for example, renewing their passports. Those who lost their passports, or you know, uh, some of the applications that you ch- naming name changes, uh, date of birth changes, stuff like that. That requires no you know uh, money but it it involves a lot of uh, bribes so you could i i really uh, help it dozens of people from across the country on individual level on the policy level i think if you when when we united the, the opposition groups we were able to a uh, couple times to block bad deals and also to make it harder for those in pa- uh, the, the stronger one to pass uh, bills that went we were able to block the for example block the the cyber crime bill also we uh, also uh, in the when it was it came into the supreme court bill 
uh, that was also something that we were able to unite and also to prevent that from happening. Uh, but also, uh, there are, you know, other things that uh, also you can be the voice of those who, you know, for example, I had investors uh, calling us, the, 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 the farmers, you know, dozens of farmers from Kurdistan, they needed the Baghdad support for to sell their products. KRG was not helping them. The, actually, the KRG was kind of uh, hurting them. Uh, we were able to bring dozens of farmers to meet with the Iraqi Ministry of uh, Agriculture, for example, uh, to help them to facilitate for their business and connect them with the people in Baghdad who were you know the, the the business people to buy their their products and that was really impactful and it was really you know changing some people's life uh so there are these are things that you can do but if you are successful have experience to to build coalitions with so many people individuals mps that they are kicked out of their you know big missions from all of the uh, ethnic and sect, sect, sectarian groups. You, if you can gain their trust and you know build a relation with them, you can sometimes to block the big guys from you know doing bad things in the parliament. Sometimes you may not able to to pass your own you know policy or bill, but you will be able to negotiate some terms. Kaksarkaut, it's been nearly four months since uh, the Iraqi election. You've had time to reflect on the fact that you were unsuccessful in your re-election bid. Can you tell us what you learned and whether you think the 2021 elections were free and fair? Uh, well, I think the the, the uh, to me the election was still uh, a, is still a mystery. I really, you know, there are a lot to talk about that that election, but I think I would say two things were the main problem. Like we didn't have time to educate our people how to vote because the division of the, the districts were like very confusing for so many people. Uh, especially people like me, we didn't have a media, like a TV station, like to, to, and also not really money to go to every door and explain to, and also we didn't have time until last minute, even, even one week before the election, there were possibility of postponing the elections. That was really, really, really negative thing. And also that the, the, maybe we did, we were not a party. We were like independent MPs and really in Kurdistan, you know, opposite to contrary to, to the rest of the country, the uh, people, they really interested in parties, not, not independent individuals. They are still into, you know, party model, not individual model. Uh, they just cannot comprehend it. That I mean, it's something you know. They like oppositions to unite. We were not able to, as a hope alliance, to unite and then to uh, enter the election together. Uh, so uh, I would say, and also the the low turnout was a big, you know, huge contributor to me and also my colleagues. They were not able to succeed because those who didn't go to vote, those who are who were like our voters. But then to say, you know, this election we had the least violence compared to others and also i haven't it was too good to be true for me i haven't seen like ballots to be filled up by security forces security forces for example people being beaten up like uh, previous elections but i don't believe kdp and puk would allow a free and fair election at least in kurdistan region if they have they haven't guaranteed something i don't know how but I, th you know, they knew the game before even we start. They already knew, you know, uh, uh, what they are doing. Uh, and so they didn't really spend a lot of money. Uh, 
uh, the, the, that was the most calm uh, campaign, the most peaceful one ever we had in Kurdistan region. And it was, to me, for also to many people, too good to be true. I mean, it, that's why I said it's a mystery. I don't know what happened, but I cannot say it was a free and fair election. Given what we've been talking about for the last half hour or so, what advice would you give to budding young Iraqis who want to engage in politics? Uh, I think it's really important to, to take politics very seriously, especially in the early, like we are in the uh, early days of you know democratic process. Uh, we still need a lot of time, and also not to be bored, not to be when they not to be disappointed completely in the results. Uh, I think, uh, and also not to expect overnight changes. Uh, they need to uh, really to learn about the uh, other countries' experience. And at least, if you cannot, if you do not want to run for office, you know, try to in- educate yourself about you know who are the people that you want to invest, uh, who are the people that you want to uh, help and support. Also, do not expect really financial, uh, you know, return when you support a political party. It's a bad thing. It's a, the worst thing, actually, to do it, to sell your vote. Actually, you need to donate. You need to help the, the people who are doing politics. Politics is a very serious and difficult uh, job. And also, please, please, do not focus on salary of the MPs. It's really, maybe it's 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 a, it's a lot compared to other people, but really give some money to the MPs not to, in order not to justify, you know, uh, because they don't have money to, to, to be corrupt. You know, some people, uh, actually, they may have, they are under pressure financially. They may, you know, compromise when they are under pressure. So just, you know, I think you need to focus on their vision, on their policies, rather than on their, you know, how much monthly they make. Because actually the salary is just fine for a real uh, a national MP uh, compared to the, all of the security challenges, all of the issues that you have in the country. Uh, nobody, no MP will become rich based on their salary. They do other things. If you see them, they are rich. It's not because of the salary. They really do other things, illegal things. They are really selling their, their votes. That's that's the scary thing. So you need to monitor them. I mean, the, the young people. You need to see them. And especially this is now district. So, you know, every district, they don't have more than five MPs or three three or four. So you need to hold them accountable, call them and see if they are doing something and try to talk about, talk to them or talk about them in the your social media platform. If it's scary, use maybe another name to, to, to do that. So I think uh, the, there are a lot you, they can do. I mean, the young people. But uh, take politics very seriously and, uh, and also try to, to be the one that, uh, to take the responsibility uh, for yourself. I, I truly appreciate that answer. Thank you. Um, and finally, what are your plans moving forward, Kaksarkat? Uh, well, I think, uh, 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 like you said, after I lost the last election, I'm, you know, reflecting, I'm trying to uh, write a book. Uh, maybe in three languages, uh, in uh, Arabic, Kurdish, and English, about my experience, but also more about the the current uh, players in the Iraqi politics for international community, and also for locally for people to understand about them, their fu- their their history, uh, and their their vision, and also their the future. Uh, I think we lack that. We have daily analysis of the events, but also deeply 
to analyze them. Uh, I think we need we lack that in academy. I will invest some of my time in writing about those things. If you know, if if time you know, also some other social commitment allow me to do that. But also, I'm trying to spend more time, especially for a year, with my family, uh, uh, with my wife. Uh, she needs me a lot, uh, and also I'm trying to. Uh, uh, work more uh, behind the scene and also see the what was uh, what we are drunk really what was missing uh, in our uh, experience and what need to be done better I think I would say like maybe media platform is really important talking to more people building more relations and also try to form a party not a local party in Suleimania for example based on the national agendas and I think uh, it needs a lot of work and to to build you know relations with a uh, uh, group like-minded people uh, across the country. I, for one, truly look forward to your upcoming book, and I want to thank you for your service to the country, and I want to thank you for your time with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me again. That's it for this week's episode. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify to receive notifications about a new episode from Araki Voices. Until next week, take care. <laughs>